everyone, it's your host, Nikkel. Welcome back to another episode of TRP Recovery. I just wanted to give a little bit of an apology for skipping out last week. I was on vacation and that is definitely something that I encourage my listeners to do as well when necessary. Um, I've been doing a lot of intense work and haven't taken a break for some time. So I decided uh, to take a little mini vacation and to really take some rest and clear my head in order to be able to think better and plan better, not just for this podcast, but for other um, elements in my life. So um, I'm really excited to be back. And today's subject is a little um, sensitive. And um, today we're going to be talking about suicide. Um, I just obviously want to give a warning. Um, There will be a lot of triggers in this episode. So um, if you are someone who is currently suffering um, with suicidal thoughts or you've been affected by it, um, be it um, through a family member or a friend or a close one, someone you're close to, excuse me, um, I would definitely recommend maybe sitting this one out if you're unable to handle it. It's totally fine. We have some other content that you are more than welcome to listen to. And um, when you're ready um, to take a listen, you could always find this episode on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or our website um, at www.trprecovery.com. So as you guys know, or may not know, September is Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month. And I really wanted to take this time and opportunity for us to get a high-level overview of what suicide is, some basic um, concepts around the subject, and as well as to give people some advice and tips, whether you are someone suffering with suicidal thoughts um, in the midst of making plans about it, or if you are a supporter um, or a family member or a friend of someone who is suffering or maybe giving warning signs, I'd like to give you guys some tips and tools in order to know how to not only help them, but how to move forward. Um, So yeah, let's get to it. (sighs) Boy, suicide, um, it's an incredibly difficult uh, conversation to have um, at any point in time. definitely on the part of the person experiencing um, suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideation, or actually planning out thoughts to harm themselves, and also for uh, the folks who they may disclose this information to, unless, you know, it's a qualified professional who wouldn't be, I guess, as intimidated by this this information. Um, but I am happy to see that the conversation around mental health is becoming more frequent and you know, thus becoming more normalized. And eventually, hopefully, and optimistically, that it will reduce, if not eliminate, the stigma around the conversation. So that way people won't feel the need to isolate and suffer in silence because they fear what the reactions of others might be if they were to disclose that they were suffering with these kind of thoughts racing through their heads on a daily basis. So I just wanted to give you guys some um, uh, facts and some rates around suicide, particularly 
lately in the United States. I hate that word, by the way. <laughs> Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death for all ages in the United States. And it's also a major contributor to premature mortality as it ranks the second um, in as it ranks the second leading cause of death for the ages 10 to 34 and is the fourth leading cause for ages 35 to 54, according to the CDC. By the way, I will link all of my sources in the description so you guys could check it out yourselves. But just to like come back a minute, it's incredible to see that in our country that the environment around mental health, although it's improving right now, hasn't really been at the forefront. And as a result, that's caused this unfortunate phenomenon to increase so rapidly um, within our country. And according to another stat um, by the CDC, it's apparently increased from the year 2000 to 2017 by 36%. It's it's phenomenal and it's equally frustrating that people either feel as though they have no other ways to turn and quite honestly given the state of some of our mental health systems I can understand why people feel that they have no other way or no other route to turn to but this lethal option and I'm really hoping that the conversation that we're having today, or the discussion, I should say, a conversation requires two people, <laughs> um, you know, will empower both someone who is experiencing suicidal thoughts and ideation, and also for supporters, family members, friends who really feel concerned about a loved one who may be suffering with um, any of the symptoms that I'm going to be describing later. So what are some of the risks that might make someone more predisposed to the idea of suicide? Well, for one, a history of mental health disorders. So um, someone who might be suffering with anxiety and depression may be uh, more likely to lean, not necessarily the case, but depending on the severity, um, may be more vulnerable to entertaining the idea of suicide if they were to become so overwhelmed with the influx of emotions that they may be feeling um, given a particular point in time. Um, another potential risk is substance abuse. Um, so definitely not being in the right state of mind or being under the influence of alcohol and drugs could definitely um, make someone um, a little bit more impulsive um, when it comes to the idea of suicide. Feelings of hopelessness, which may have come about um, from perhaps having a history of abuse or trauma, or maybe dealing with a physical illness of some sort, or even um, something like grief or job loss may lead someone to feel as though there is no hope left, that there is nothing to go beyond this current state in time. A point in time, excuse me. So um, someone who has that mindset may see suicide as a way of escaping the current pain and discomfort that they're in at that point in time. And 
Another major one is um, a history of suicide attempts or perhaps um, a family history of suicide. So if um, someone uh, lost a parent or a sibling or a friend perhaps even to suicide, they may even be more likely to consider it in the future. Again, not necessarily the case, but it seems as though these are some of the common patterns that um, have been recorded as a potential risk. And by the way, um, all of the information that I mentioned right now is from the suicide prevention line. And once again, I will definitely link all of this in the description below. So as someone on the outside looking um, in, I guess, what are some of the warning signs? So if you're a friend or a concerned family member, um, what are some things that you should be looking out for about the person you love? Um, so if you hear them constantly mentioning that they want to die or that they are feeling incredibly hopeless, like there is nothing more that matters to them than to find some sort of escape from the pain that they're in, that they feel trapped and it's unbearable, that they somehow feel like they are a burden to other people or that you see them becoming more anxious and agitated, that their mood begins to shift without any type of transition or perhaps they are withdrawing themselves. They could be on the opposite end of the spectrum like I was and they withdraw and isolate themselves where you don't hear from them or they don't participate in activities that used to bring them so much joy and they seem to steer away from that. Or perhaps you see an even more use of alcohol or drugs, um, perhaps suddenly if they weren't someone who used them at all or if they were someone who did it, perhaps they're using it even more so than usual. Or even more importantly, talking about ways that they want to harm themselves. That could not be a more glaring sign that something is clearly wrong and that they are searching for help. This is so, so important um, because it's usually in those moments that intervention is required and it is critical to be able to find support so that way they aren't left alone to do the unthinkable. So what are some tips if you are an ally and a supporter or a concerned loved one? Do not under any circumstances I mean, no circumstances, leave them alone. Um, I remember when I was incredibly depressed um, and in my own period of um, suicidal ideation and thoughts, my bestest friend in the whole world, which is my sister, um, she would not leave me alone. Not at all. Like, I mean, it was annoying. <laughs> but looking back, I was so grateful because I knew that I had someone to listen to me. So um, it's important that you don't leave them alone because they're basically swimming around in their negative thoughts. And without that person to be their anchor, to keep them grounded and to remind them that they're in the present and that there is more to life than this present moment, they could do the unthinkable. So if possible, please don't leave them alone. And if you honestly are not comfortable with taking that kind of um, intervention or you just feel intimidated by it because you don't know what to say 
intervene on their behalf. And that might mean having to contact the appropriate mental health channels on their behalf or perhaps going to um, another trusted friend or a qualified professional, perhaps a therapist, perhaps um, any of your local chapters from the mental health association or your local mental hospital, someone or some institution or organization that can really help you get this person the help that they need. And if you must, you can call 911 and call the authorities and perhaps have them lead you to the right um, directory. But I do um, want to make it clear that as we've seen in the news that there have been incidences where calling the authorities have led to an escalation in some of these issues. So while I won't discourage it necessarily because they are first responders, I just want to also provide the advice that there are alternatives that you could call um, if you are not comfortable with having the authorities intervene. Um, and thirdly, um, have a listening and non-judgmental ear. Once again, if you are in the space and if you are qualified or if you feel that you have the um, capacity to handle whatever might be in their hearts, um, it makes a world of a difference to be that person who they could at least release some of these emotions to because oftentimes out of fear or judgment um, or abandonment or you know in some cases depending on the severity of someone's mental state losing their autonomy um, these are reasons why people are hesitant and sometimes resistant to revealing their struggles because they might think, well, if this gets out, I could lose my job. Or if this gets out, people won't want to talk to me. Or if this gets out, people um, will abandon me or they'll judge me without even knowing what I've been through. Or if they know what I've been through, they will think differently of me. So if you could be that support system, even if it's just for that moment to let them know that these feelings that you are feeling are 100% okay and it just makes you human it's normal and you are not some type of outcast or alien because of it it makes so much of a difference and it could literally be the difference between having someone recover or taking the steps to do the absolute unthinkable and what are some tips for someone who's listening and you are the one struggling with it right now and you want to get to a point where you have some type of control over your thoughts? Once again, I always like to mention this, I am not a mental health professional. So a lot of the tips that I'm giving you are things that I have done to help um, during my recovery season. And um, I'm really hoping that they could be of use to you. But the first and most important thing that I recommend before I get to my own personal tips is seeking professional help. And there are some uh, free services that I'll also be disclosing to you guys um, in our resources section. And you could take advantage of that if income or um, I guess affordability, I should say, is a concern for you to get professional help. There are means. 
But um, the things that I'm going to be discussing today, or the tips, I'm sorry, that I'm going to be giving you are very simple. Very, very simple. First one, and I know it's silly, and it, it might be so simple that it sounds stupid to even be suggesting this, but breathing. <laughs> the first step is to breathe. Breathing helps you, especially when done properly, deep breathing can really help to get your endorphins pumping and most importantly, it could help to calm your nervous system. And when you are in that state of thinking that you are going to do the unthinkable by committing suicide or to escape whatever pain you're in, your nervous system is on overdrive because you are literally in a point where you have become the threat to your own self. And so your nervous system will react as if you were an external threat. So I definitely recommend doing some deep breath exercises and I could definitely link some articles for you guys so you can get an idea of what that would look like and do that for as long as you need. It could be 30 minutes, it could be five hours. I don't care how long it takes you, but you do it for as long as you need until you're in a calmer state. and. Preferably, it should be with a trusted confidant or provider, but if you don't have that with you, you could do it for yourself. Please, I definitely encourage you to do this because once you're able to get your heart rate down and to breathe calmly and to think clearly, it could make a world of difference in how you will respond next. The second step is to reach out. And I know from firsthand experience just how scary that could be. Um, but in spite of how scary it is, I, I really encourage and honestly beg you to reach out to someone. And that could be um, a trusted friend, a family member, um, or if you don't have those, unfortunately, I will, again, list all of these resources and you can reach out to volunteers or other qualified professionals who will act as that support for you. By doing that and opening up, you will allow someone to see the darkest parts of you that you've been holding on to and to perhaps shed some light that you are unable to see yourself. It's so beneficial for you to let go of this idea that you have to hold everything in and handle it all on your own because that's not true. You don't have to do it alone. You are not put on this earth to be alone and you don't have to fight some of the darkest battles alone. So my last and third tip is to put your mental health first. I really think it's important for us to be okay with putting everything on the back burner until you're in a better state of mind. And that could be with work, that could be with your personal life and personal relationships. It could be anything. I think when you are at a state, um, especially in a point in time where you are considering, you know, the unthinkable, which is to end your life. It's important that you realize that 
your well-being is the absolute priority. So in order to do that, you're going to have to become more comfortable with implementing boundaries around your time and your energy. And I will definitely do um, an episode on boundaries at another time. But just for now, it's so important for you to realize that you are in charge of helping yourself. And the best way to do that is to make time for yourself. If you're so busy helping everyone all the time, or if you're so busy with work, or if you're so busy with, you know, tending to um, everything in your life, whether that's like your relationship with your partner, with your kids, with friends, with your community group, if you're not taking enough time to pour some more life into yourself, you will be in a situation where you've run out of emotional and spiritual energy to continue moving forward and to heal yourself when you are in this kind of um, stressful state. So once you are able to clear that time out for yourself, I think it would be in your best interest to educate yourself on how to self-regulate. And so that means how can you get yourself from an anxious state or a depressive state or a suicidal state um, to a, a, a point where you can think clearly, you can think calmly, and you can think effectively. And that takes time. That's something that I'm still learning. And it's something that you master as time goes on. And it's progressive. There will never be like a point where you have it all planned out because life has a way of throwing a curveball just when you think you've got everything under control. So it's just um, a means for you to have tools to help you get um, anchored, if that makes sense. So yeah, I would definitely say my third and most important tip is to put your mental health first. Because if you don't do it, I promise you, life will force you to do it. (laughs) So I really hope that was helpful. Um, Some of the resources that um, I used um, today are from the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And for those of you who would like to write down this number, um, it's 1-800-273-8255 or uh, 1-800-273-TALK. And there's also, um, if for some of you who weren't aware, a um, emergency, a three-digit emergency line, like the equivalent of the 911 number for mental health services, and that is 988. So if you or someone you know is having a mental health emergency, you can call 988 and you will be directed to a mental health professional organization um, to help you through this situation. So um, another amazing resource um, that I've used and continue to um, go through their website from time to time to keep myself up to date with um, mental health um, tips and tools is Mental Health America. They are such an amazing resource, an amazing organization that are really honestly 
helping the conversation around mental health become more normalized. So I definitely recommend you check them out. The other organization that I recommend is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. They are also wonderful with supplying um, uh, visitors of the website with so much information about mental health. Um, and if you want to educate yourself um, on some of the symptoms that you might be experiencing or you would like to become an advocate, those are two amazing organizations that could help you do that. Another um, resource is the Crisis Text Line. And it's almost like 988, but instead of talking to someone, you will um, get a text from a qualified and trained volunteer or mental health professional if you are going through an extremely strenuous uh, mental um, health crisis. So the text that you would, um, the number that you would text, excuse me, is 741 741 and that is for us and canadian callers or texters i should say <laughs> and the last one for international listeners that is uh, befrienders worldwide and uh, they basically provide the same type of service and resources as crisis text line and mha so guys that was my episode for this week i know it was a very tough one um, but it was definitely necessary because I think there are a lot of people who, um, as you guys have heard all around, who have suffered with these negative thoughts in silence. And I just wanted to be able to provide some sort of support and resources and tools for you to understand that there are ways to get out of this mindset and there are ways to recover and to heal and that you going through this experience doesn't change anything about you except that you are progressing into a stronger and more remarkable version of yourself so i hope this was helpful and i will be back in two weeks <laughs> and um, i will announce what the topic will be on instagram so definitely make sure to follow us on instagram at trp recovery thanks guys and remember you're loved and you are blessed bye